unregulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am so glad you're with us on the program today. We're going to be talking with Michael Schwartz from San Diego County Gun Owners in uh, just a minute or two. The uh, county supervisors holding a vote yesterday during their regular meeting uh, about whether or not to endorse California Governor Gavin Newsom's proposed 28th Amendment, which would, of course, uh, negate the Second Amendment, right? That's not the way the governor describes it, but yeah, it would uh, enshrine a host of uh, anti-gun provisions into our Constitution. Uh, this uh, non-binding resolution meant to uh, to show support for the governor's agenda, and it failed. Yeah, we talked with Michael uh, just after that vote was held. We'll talk more. Uh, you'll hear that conversation with Michael coming up here in just a minute. Before we get to that, however, there is unfortunately something we need to talk about first. Joe Biden's America and how it's crushing us. You've got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers one after the other. Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation, pushing hardworking families to the brink. Just look at the price of lunch meat next time you go to the grocery store. And a digital dollar could be coming down the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. The truth is you need a plan. You know it, and I know it. And that's why you should call Gold Co. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-timing 5,000 winner, 2022 company of the year with thousands of five-star reviews. And they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. They're offered up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. And if you call them today, qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call Gold Co. 855-412-3806 today. That's 855-412-3806. As I mentioned, we uh, were able to catch up with Michael Schwartz yesterday afternoon after uh, uh, Wednesday's came or Tuesday's came and company had already uh, been uh, posted online. Uh, but shortly after, the uh, San Diego County Supervisors deadlocked on a uh, vote uh, in support of Gavin Newsom's gun control agenda. Take a look and a listen. Michael, thanks so much for coming on Gamma Company. I appreciate you uh, taking the time, man. You bet. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, we are recording this Wednesday afternoon. This will be airing on Thursday. So you just got out of the San Diego County Supervisors meeting. What happened with this vote on a resolution to support Newsom's gun control constitutional amendment? Well, yeah, the good news is it failed. Um, which is extremely uh, good. Um, there's a, a supervisor named Tara Lawson Reamer who's uh, vehemently anti-gun. I, I don't mean that she just votes the wrong, wrong way. I mean, she goes out of her way to be extremely anti-gun. And uh, she uh, brought this forward. It was a resolution to support the 28th Amendment, and it failed two to two. Um, we actually only have four supervisors right now, and there's a special election going on that in, in this November, just about a month here. And uh, my fear is that uh, if they bring it back after the election, that this type of resolution would actually probably uh, pass, depending on who gets elected. Yeah. Is this a competitive seat or is it a, a Democrat leaner? Well, unfortunately, it's it's uh, it leans very Democrat. Um, but, you know, um, and in this case, it's a pretty clear, you know, Republican versus De Democrat. The Republican is good on guns. The Democrat's not good on guns. But that's not always the case out here in California. Right. It's a different world out here. We have some uh, some anti-gun Republicans, some pro-gun Democrats. It's it's rarely this uh, cut and dry. 
Yeah. And you've got to, you know, again, the Second Amendment is a nonpartisan right. It's not a right of the right. It is a right of we the people. So uh, any and all allies, I think, are welcome here. Um, But as you say, the concern is that maybe they bring this back. Now, this is a a resolution, right? We should make this clear. This has no weight of law, but it it would send a signal that, uh, you know, San Diego County supervisors, they back Newsom's constitutional amendment. Which isn't going anywhere, Michael. I mean, this is the this is the other thing here. Like, even if you're a gun control supporter, you have to acknowledge the reality that that this isn't going to be adopted by three quarters of the states. This isn't there aren't the votes in Congress to approve this. So so why is there this eagerness to embrace the absurd? Is it just to to show their fealty and support to Newsom? So that's a great question. And the reason that we take it just as seriously as any other regulation or anything that, that there any kind of, uh, uh, you know, regulation or resolution or or any event that uh, any elected body is doing, we take it equally as serious because it's an opportunity for them to get on the news, to get into people's living rooms who maybe aren't paying attention. Maybe they're not anti-gun. Maybe they're not pro-gun. They're just kind of living their lives. But they're watching now they're watching the six o'clock news. And you have these uh, extremists, these anti-gun extremists that are coming on their TV. You know, they're in the news, they're in the papers now, and they're making what seems like a very reasonable uh, argument for uh, more gun restrictions um, because, you know, they're using all the buzzwords and they're, you know, very calm and demeanor. And they, wow, it sounds rational. It sounds reasonable. But of course, they're not telling the whole truth. Uh, or, or telling the truth at all in some cases. So it's important to take everything uh, equally as serious to make sure that they can't get away with their misleading uh, messaging and to make sure that on the six o'clock news, it's not just them, but it's uh, you know pro-Second Amendment folks as well, pointing out that they're not telling the truth or what they're doing is actually damaging. Um, you know, and, and that's why we take it very, very seriously. You know, um, as a state, I haven't seen the number specifically for San Diego County, but but as a state, California kind of bucked the trend last year. FBI reported that violent crime was down nationwide. It was uh, increasing in the state of California, despite or maybe perhaps because of all these gun control laws on the books. And it seems to me, Michael, that ultimately you've got two arguments, right? The gun control arguments have the um, the public safety argument, right? If we have more gun control laws, we're going to have fewer violent crime. But more recently, I think since the Bruin decision, we're hearing that cultural argument of there's no reason for you to own a gun. Owning a gun itself is wrong. They may still say, oh, I support the Second Amendment, but but the buts contain all of these reasons why exercising your Second Amendment right is is wrong. Um, Are you seeing that in California where the public safety argument, I won't say it's taken a back seat, but it's now been joined by just this general Guns are bad. The Second Amendment is icky, uh, a person we really haven't seen quite as blatantly uh, in recent past. Yeah, no, they're they're absolutely painting guns to be the problem, to be the cause of crime. Um, And they they don't hesitate to make gun owners seem like a problem, uh, which is uh, the exact opposite. And what you're saying is true uh, as far as, you know, gun or I'm sorry, uh, uh, crime statistics being down, violent crime statistics being down. But it's important to point out that it's the statistics that are down. Um, they're no longer arresting, for example, um, criminals. They're they're no longer putting them in jail. They're no longer prosecuting them. Uh, they're barely reporting them. Uh, but the other thing that happened a few years ago 
is uh, especially here in San Diego is we even before the Bruin decision um, got to uh, it got our CCW uh, rights back. So, uh, uh, you know, San Diego, you've been able to get a CCW since about 2017. And we're very proud to have played a major part in that. Um, but then other counties as well have followed suit. Orange County, Riverside County, San Bernardino County. Um, actually, Orange County kind of led the way. But Southern California and, and, and parts of rural California have started to issue even before the Bruin. In fact, the Bruin decision talked about how San Diego was a success story because they started to issue CCWs. And I would I would definitely make the case that people who are armed are preventing and stopping uh, violent crime from happening. So I think that is a major part of of why uh, the statistics are showing that uh, you know you know there are fewer violent crimes happening in California. But I think those two things combined uh, tell a little bit little bit clearer of a story of what's going on in California. Yeah. Well, and I mean, <laughs> this is just anecdotal evidence, but uh, I don't see a whole lot of news reports about major retailers saying, you know what, crime's gotten so bad in San Diego, we're having to close our shops, we're having to pull out of the city. Like you see in San Francisco on a regular basis, San Francisco, of course, didn't issue any concealed carry permits until after the Bruin decision. And even then, it took months for them to do so. I think they're up to like 200 and something now, right? Where San Diego County is up to 15,000 or so last time I checked. Yeah, yeah, 15,000. In 2017, we started out, we had about 1,100. Um, and then uh, once we got the sheriff to change policies and we started educating people on how to get their their uh, permit, I just went through the roof. So it went from 1,100 to about 15,000 since 2017. Uh, but they're definitely, again, uh, that was a big talking point from uh, the supervisor here, uh, Tara Lawson-Ramer. Um, uh, she was basically saying that guns were the problem. She said that uh, uh, assault weapons, quote unquote, uh, were used in most crimes. Um, she said that this 28th Amendment uh, uh, is won't uh, will preserve the Second Amendment, which I thought was interesting. That was a big part of the statement I made was that there's there's no way that the 28th Amendment can be misconstrued as preserving the Second Amendment. It absolutely guts the Second Amendment. And more than once, uh, uh, the two anti-gun politicians up on the up on the dais said that it would preserve the Second Amendment, but they never explained what they meant. And the only thing I can come up with is that they mean that, yeah, the 27 words will still be there, <laughs> uh, you know, but it'll, it'll have absolutely no meaning, uh, which is, again, at best, you know, misleading, uh, you know, at worst, a complete and total lie. Um, but yeah, it's all, it's all gun owners fault. Crime is our fault. You know, everything that California is doing as far as banning guns is good. Um, it was it was absolutely uh, ridiculous. You know, and again, as you say, this would improve, this would preserve the segment of the same way the New York's Concealed Carry Improvement Act actually improved the concealed carry laws, right? It did not. Um, so, I, and, I, you know, I got to commend you and all of the folks with the San Diego gun owners for, for your activism, because you really are punching above your weight. And we talk about, you know, national groups and state level groups, and then there's, you know, local groups. I'd say you are maybe the most effective, you know, local group. Uh, in the country right now. Last weekend, in fact, tell me about the gun show that happened in San Diego that wasn't supposed to happen because gun shows were uh, you know, banned from the fairgrounds. Tell me about this and the symposium that you guys put on. Well, first, Cam, thanks for the kind words. That means a lot to, you know, we're up to, uh, we're closing in on 4,000 members and we have a lot of hardworking activists. And, uh, you know, someone of your stature 
uh, complimenting us that 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 much is is huge to all our members. Really appreciate the kind words. That means a lot. Yeah. Um, but the uh, state of California outlawed basically outlawed gun shows. They said you couldn't have gun shows on state property, and that's where almost all gun shows were uh, was on state property because that's really what's what's suited for a gun show. You know, you need a big warehouse and a lot of parking and. Uh, you know, that, that it's, it's hard to come by. Uh, you know, the only place that's really suited for that are these these big regional fairgrounds, that type mm -hmm. of thing. So they're, they're outlawed. Uh, we we uh, what we did is we we found uh, a private venue and then the uh, gun show promoter. We helped them, uh, uh, you know, advertise. Uh, we had to weed through some of the local um, regulations. The San Diego City attorney is extremely anti-gun as well. And she tried to use this weird local zoning ordinance against us so that we could not have guns at the gun show. And we worked with the police department and uh, we uh, got an attorney involved to kind of, uh, you know, interpret uh, what what this zoning thing said. And we worked within the parameters to have this gun show. Now, was it the best gun show in the whole world? Not yet. Not yet, um, it, but it was, a, it was a really, really good start. We had a lot of people. The other thing we did is we turned it into a symposium. So we said, all right, look, we're not going to be able to feature firearms as much as other gun shows. We'll have the accessories. We'll have ammunition. We'll have some guns. Um, but let's let's really try to make this thing special. So we included a symposium where we had guest speakers. Our sheriff came and spoke. Uh, she got a huge round of applause. We had a, a panel of elected officials who came and talked about what it's like to be a pro-Second Amendment politician in California. Uh, we had instructors come and talk. We had attorneys come and talk. And we turned this thing into a two-day symposium as well. So as long as you purchased a ticket to come into the gun show, you got access to the symposium as well. And I think we really made this thing special and uh, showed that, you know what, we can do this. Um, you know, while we fight to get all of our uh, our rights and freedoms back, uh, then we're going to work within the parameters and we're not going to take no for an answer. Absolutely. I love that. I, you know, this is it's it's not civil disobedience because, again, you were working within the parameters of the law. But in a way, it is it, it is it is a disobedience to these tyrants who would try to tell you that you can't exercise your rights. You know, and to all those I, folks who said, well, it's not about shutting down gun shows completely. Baloney. I mean, if the city attorney was trying to uh, make it impossible for you to display guns at a gun show, that's exactly what this is about. And, you know, I've had these conversations with Chuck Michelle before talking about some of these other uh, gun shows around the state. And he always makes the point that a gun show is not just about commerce. It's about culture. It's about gun owners being able to come together. Right. And to uh, embrace their segment rights, to hear from folks like the ones that you had at your symposium. It's more than just about the commercial transaction of firearms. And you demonstrated that perfectly uh, this past weekend. So thank you again for everything that you guys are doing. You bet. Thank you. Yeah, Michael, listen, I, I, I'm going to let you get back on the road because I know you've got somewhere else to be. But uh, listen, man, again, I do truly appreciate you carving out a few minutes. I'd love to have you back again in the very near future. And uh, uh, please thank you for all of the hard work, for all of your grassroots volunteers, every member it is making a difference, and I can tell you it's inspiring gun owners all around the country. So please keep it up. Thank you, Cam. It means a lot. Well, I do appreciate uh, Michael Carvin a couple minutes out of his very busy schedule yesterday to talk with us. I'm looking forward to having him back again very soon. Uh, and if you are a gun owner in Southern California, San Diego County, or, you know, again, Orange County, Riverside, I'm telling you, this is a great organization. They really are punching above their weight. And, um, 
you know, the more the merrier. There is no cap on membership, so uh, I would encourage you to get involved as well. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a, a story out of Houston, Texas, a tragic story. A Harris County man out on multiple bonds is now accused of murdering a man in front of his parents, actually uh, accused of assaulting the murdered man's father, which is why the murder man came to or the murdered man came to his dad's aid. Uh, 25-year-old Daniel Abdul Malik gunned down in front of his parents. Police say 20-year-old Malcolm Lewis is responsible. He came to the family's car lot to uh, buy a vehicle. Uh, Daniel's sister, Stephanie Abdul Malik, says, My parents are in shambles. Every morning they wake up, the shock of their son being missing. They keep screaming, My son is gone. My son is gone. How are we going to live? He's our backbone, our right hand. What are we going to do without him? Police say that Lewis went to a dealership with a friend, got into an argument with the uh, elder Abdul Malik. Uh, Stephanie Abdul Malik says, they knocked down my father. After knocking down my father, my brother was obviously defensive, trying to get them to back off. According to authorities, that's when Malcolm Lewis pulled a gun, fired a shot, killing the 25-year-old. Stephanie Abdul Malik says, I don't even know how I'm standing here in front of you right now. Last year, according to Fox 26, Malcolm Lewis got probation for a felony conviction in the 177th District Court. I don't know what that conviction was for, but it was a felony. Again, he received probation. A few months later, he's charged with another felony. This one, a count of aggravated robbery. That led to a motion to revoke his probation. Again, one of the terms of your probation is, right, you stay out of trouble. If you are arrested again, if you're charged with another crime, we will revoke your probation. We will send you to prison. You'll have to do the original sentence. That's the way it's supposed to work. It's not the way it worked in Harris County. Instead, 177th Criminal District Court Judge Robert Johnson said Malcolm Lewis's bond at $40,000. Typically, if you use a you know bail bondsman or something like that, you're responsible for coming up with 10% of that. So $4,000 got Malcolm Johnson or Malcolm Lewis uh, out of jail. Andy Kahn with uh, Crime Stoppers in Harris County says, how do you give a bond to somebody who's on probation and then charged with robbery when you're trying to get that probation revoked? Now you've got a 25-year-old that basically paid the price for those decisions because he lost his life. He's absolutely right. There are a lot of questions here surrounding the decision to uh, release Malcolm Lewis on such a low bond. But um, I don't know that we're ever going to get the answers from the uh, judge there in Harris County. Today's armed citizen story from uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, where police say a suspect was shot and killed during an armed robbery. A second suspect has been arrested and is now facing charges uh, in the death of his accomplice. According to the Winston-Salem Police Department, this happened back on October the 6th. Investigators say 40-year-old Stephen Wayne Wire and 44-year-old Jeffrey Howard Smith entered a home that did not belong to them and robbed the individuals inside at gunpoint. Police say one of the individuals inside that home had a gun of their own, drew that gun, fired in self-defense, and shot Stephen Wayne Weir. Police said that Weir later died of his injuries. Police say that uh, Smith was arrested, charged with robbery with a dangerous weapon. And and this is amazing. (laughs) We just talked about the $40,000 bond. Smith, charged again with robbery of the dangerous weapon. I I, uh, erroneously said that he was facing charges in connection with the death of his accomplice. Apparently, he's not. 
You received just a $7,500 bond. I, 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 I am shocked. I just blithely assumed, erroneously, that uh, because in many cases, individuals who are in the uh, commission of a violent crime, when their accomplice is uh, shot and killed, they face murder charges. Not the case here. Uh, in fact, honestly, the $7,500 bond for Smith is outrageously low given the charge of robbery with a dangerous weapon, given the circumstances of this case, that is a ridiculously low bond. So we'll definitely be keeping our eyes on the story. A homeowner in question, not expected to face any charges. Again, police say he was acting in self-defense, but God, the uh, intruder who survived this encounter, he's going to be back on the streets before long. Uh, you hope he's learned his lesson. You hope he's going to stick to the straight and narrow, but... Uh, I'm not confident of that. Are you? Finally today, our good deed of the day, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, another armed citizen who was not present to stop a homicide from taking place, but was on scene in time to stop the suspect from going anywhere. Here's the headline. Man accused of shooting girlfriend to death in front of their kids held at gunpoint by Good Samaritan until cops arrive. This is, again, a, a, a tragic story. I'm glad that there is a suspect in custody, and that might not be the case were it not, again, for the quick thinking and the fast action of that armed citizen. Jefferson County Sheriff's Office called around noon on Monday to a home in Birmingham, Alabama, on reports of a shooting. Witnesses told deputies that the suspect, a 48-year-old named Ernal Peavy, shot his girlfriend, 37-year-old April Britton, in the backyard of the home in front of their kids, who then ran away and flagged down a passing vehicle. The uh, uh, individual who was flagged down said that she and her husband were driving when they saw two teenage girls waving them down. She got out of the car. One of the girls said their mom had just been shot, so she calls 911. Meanwhile, Peavy shows up in his car, and the girls say, that's the man who shot my mama. The witness's husband, who's sitting there in the passenger seat, then pulls his gun, holds Peavy at gunpoint until police arrived. PB taken to the Jefferson County Jail on a capital murder charge. He's being held without bond. Britain's sister, uh, Jaleesa Britton, said uh, April was one of the most kind and sweet souls. She was first and foremost a loving mother to her three children, a caring sister, a loyal friend to all who knew her. She leaves behind three kids, 20, 17, 13 years of age. Sister wrote on the uh, GoFundMe page, she was beloved and will forever be loved despite no longer being with us. And again, I, I know that it is small comfort that the uh, armed citizen uh, was not there and, and did not have an opportunity to stop this attack from occurring. But at least, the very least, the suspect will now hopefully face justice as a result of that armed citizen being in the right place at the right time, frankly, not only being able to hold this suspect until police arrived, but God knows what would have happened. This suspect is accused of just killing his girlfriend. Her two daughters are right there. What would have happened had that armed citizen not been there to protect them as well? Instead of one tragic homicide, we could be talking about three or more. So, again, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, that anonymous Good Samaritan, an armed citizen there in Birmingham, Alabama. 
Now that is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I do want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. I am looking forward to being back with you again tomorrow as we uh, do one final show for the week. Not, of course, the uh, last Second Amendment story we'll be covering. We do this every day at BearingArms.com including Saturdays and Sundays. So make sure you head to the website. Check it out for all of the latest Second Amendment news and information. If you like what you see, I'd encourage you to become a VIP or VIP Gold member as well. All you have to do, go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe, use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and not only will you be supporting the independent pro-Second Amendment journalism that we do at Bearing Arms, but we're going to give you exclusive content, news stories, analysis you won't get anywhere else because your support really does matter, and it makes a difference. So thank you again. Enjoy the rest of your hump day Wednesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well. Be safe and be free.